So here we are, Christmas Eve, and it's Christmas Eve, and that means that tomorrow's what? Yeah, that's right. So it sounds like there's a few people in the room, are kids, are you excited about Christmas? Can I hear it like you're excited? I mean, if this, if this was based on how many presents you got, how noisy you were right now, can I hear it like that? Wow, you guys are not up. Mom and dad are like getting off easy this year, yeah. So I know last, on last Sunday when I asked the kids where they were up here singing, they were like, it was like, how many days till Christmas? And they knew the exact count of Christmas. And if parents, you're in the room, you know that your kids have been counting down for Christmas for quite a while, and they're excited about it, right? But as parents, as adults, you know, as kids, we get really excited about Christmas, and then we grow a little bit older. And as we grow a little bit older, you know, we, we kind of lose that. Because Christmas Eve, as kids, right, like, you can't wait for the next day. You can hardly get to sleep at night. And you're, like, waking up at 5 a.m. And you know that your parents said that you're not allowed to come out of your room till 6 a.m. But you can't wait. And you're, like, sneaking out of the room to go find what's under the tree. And, and as parents, we're like, we just sleep till nuts, right? We just... Can we just let this look like a day off and I just like take it easy today, right? And we start to let down our anticipation. We start losing that sense of anticipation. I mean, have you ever have you ever been with your kids around this time of the year when they're sitting in front of the TV? You know, every commercial that comes on, I remember when my kids were young, like they, every commercial that came on, they'd look at me and go, I want that for Christmas. The next commercial we want, I want that for Christmas. Like every single commercial would come on there, a hook and sinker for like, that's what I need for Christmas, you know? Full marketing and swing, right? That's what I want for Christmas. Completely convinced it's going to change their lives. And then we grow older and we see all those commercials and, you know, our anticipation is there, but it's kind of an echo blood clots. Because we know that the next family party that we show up to, your aunt is going to buy you those weird socks that you told her not to buy you, that you don't like. She's buying them for you anyway. She doesn't care what you say, right? They're coming. And that, that iPhone 11 that takes so much better selfies, you look so much better in that camera than you've ever looked before. You know it's only going to last for a little while. And even though GNC says that if you just had two trucks, you just had two trucks, you'd be really happy. You know that a year from now, or a month from now, or even maybe a week from now, that's not going to work. So instead of anticipating as an adult, what have you done? Maybe even as a teenager, you start to turn that anticipation off. You start to just move from one purchase to the next. You start to move from like one relationship to the next. You start to move from one Netflix series to the next. Because you just don't want to feel that emptiness in your soul that keeps getting spoiled because things keep falling short. We're a little guarded about anticipation because the truth is that for many of us, we put our faith, right, in a relationship or in circumstance or in an amount of popularity or in this next thing or getting that great grades or getting that next promotion. And we put our faith in things that fail us. They, they fail to sustain lasting change in us. We think, oh, if I just get that, then I'll be changed. Then I'll love what my life, and it doesn't work. And so we're cautious, and we start to go, ah, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of hope, but not too much, because I don't know the way this is going to turn out. And I think that's the way it felt when Christ came. Because before Christ came, people that had faith, people that were like, yeah, I'm a person of faith, they had 400 years of silence 
400 years with no prophetic voice, no Billy Grahams, no one that stood out, 400 years with no amazing miracles, just silence. I mean, most of us don't even like four minutes of silence. And 400 years, and I think a lot of people had just given up, just kind of moved on, they just kind of forgot God. They were just like, you know what? I know, I know God's important and he's out there, but I don't know if he's really going to show up. I don't know if he's really going to show up in my life. And I think they began to just anticipate less. And they just began to kind of go down, ride that train down the other where they expected just a little bit too little. And I think when Jesus came, they also experienced less and experienced a little bit too little. Because they weren't anticipating his arrival. They didn't think about what that could bring. And so tonight, we're going to talk about one story. Just one story. One story that brings us hope. One man who stood out in his 400 years of silence. One man whose story stands out above everybody else's. Because while everyone else was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. This man stood out and said, I still believe. I still have faith. I know this is going to happen. And was greatly rewarded for that faith. He listened to God, and he let his anticipation build, and he was willing to take the risk to stay in a place of anticipation that God could do what he said. And so, tonight, if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 33. You can find it in your Bible, your Bible app, or in the little scoop outline that you got tonight. And we're going to talk about this man named Simeon. Now, Simeon was introduced in the story of Jesus Christ's birth. He's introduced just shortly after Jesus was born. And so this would be like after the shepherds, and they come, and they, they come and worship the Christ child. And this would be about 40 days after that, after all of that happens, and Mary would have gone through her traditional purification ceremonies after giving birth, and they would have come to the temple with their firstborn child. And that was the custom, to present the firstborn child unto the Lord. And so Joseph and Mary, they show up at the temple, and they're, they're coming to the ceremony, and they encounter this man named Simeon. Now, here's the thing about Simeon. There is nothing else written about Simeon in all of Scripture. We don't know a lot else about Simeon, except here he is at the temple waiting for them to show up. As if he knows that they are going to show up. He is waiting there. He recognizes them. He knows in his spirit that God has spoken to him. And when Luke writes this, we have to ask, Luke's the only one. Remember, Luke's the researcher. When he does the interviews and he finds the story, he says, that story has to be told. A man who stands out with hope when others didn't have hope. And so Luke tells the story this way in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. He says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was a righteous, and he was devout, and he was eagerly waiting. Shout out, underline that right in your program. Like that is, that is like, that is the thing. Like you read the scripture, and it's like nobody else is eagerly waiting. Nobody else is waiting at the temple. Nobody else is excited that something might happen. They're all like, eh, it's Christmas. Eh. You know, they're like, I don't know if God really shows up. I don't know. I'll just keep living my life. I'll just keep making money and feeding my face. I'll just keep doing the things that I do. But Simeon, Simeon is eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
That's Simeon. Now, there's this really cool story out of tradition about Simeon that is not in the scriptures, but this is what the tradition says. It says that what Simeon was actually someone who translated the Hebrew scriptures to Greek. The Septuagint. And so he was translating the scriptures and he came to Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive a son. And as he got to that statement, he got, well, that doesn't make sense, right? This must have been, someone must have wrote this wrong. A virgin shall conceive. A virgin will have a child. That's not really possible. They must have meant to say a woman. And so he's about to translate it from virgin to woman when an angel appears to him and says, don't you do that. Uh-uh. In fact, you're going to still be alive when this happens. I'm going to promise you, the Lord has said his promise to you that you will still be living and you will see the miracle of the Christ child born to a virgin. Now, that would have made Simeon well over 100 years old. That is a long time of waiting. Can you imagine Simeon, like, day after day, month after month, showing up to the temple, looking around, not knowing exactly where and when this is going to happen, decade after decade, saying, God, you made this promise. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's coming true. God, are you really there? I mean, we don't like waiting. We hear the story and we're like, how could that, like, I don't know how Simeon even survived this. Like, that's why every, like, every kid on the planet, right, is looking under the bed tonight, looking around the house, looking in the closets for their presence because they don't want to wait. I mean, we, we, what is the greatest invention of these things, right? You're like, I don't have to wait at Starbucks anymore. I can bypass the line, right? I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to interact with anybody. I can just order myself and show up, and it's right there and ready. And then when we do wait in line, right? Have you ever seen this? Whole families waiting in line someplace, right? As if they're not even with each other because we don't like to wait. In fact, I think part of it is that we just, we put ourselves in devices just to avoid the feelings of anticipation. Because we get confused about anticipation. We don't even really understand anticipation anymore. And we miss out on it. And that feeling that we love, us, that feeling we love as kids, anticipation. Teenagers, that feeling that you love as a child, as anticipation, has been lost. And it feels a little bit strange to us as adults. I want you to get that back, that feeling of anticipation. So here's what I got. I, we went, Rick and I went out and found a commercial that I think, if some of you may be old enough to remember the Heinz jingle about anticipation, anybody remember that? Okay, so that means you were alive in the 70s. I have no idea about that, okay? But, however, that being said, I queued up. So that those of you in the room who have never been alive, and you, you can't appreciate what you've been commercialized into, like what video, how far things have come. I just want you to appreciate the acting and the music of the 70s, and we take in this Heinz commercial about anticipation. Let's watch. Their ketchup's coming out a lot smoother than ours does. That's not good manners. Oh, you notice our Heinz. Here, taste it. Bring it on a little thick. Yeah! 
Wow, you guys all want your signs catch up now, right? You'll never forget that. Anticipation is making me wait. Yeah. To anticipate is to wait for something good. And when you're waiting for something good, waiting is good. Anticipation is welcome. And that's why I think Luke introduces Simeon. That's why it's like this story has to be included because Simeon knew something about waiting that we don't. He knew something about anticipation that we don't appreciate. Simeon demonstrates this like divine confidence that God will answer, that God will show up, that God does what he says he's going to do. And he had been anticipating for many, many years. And his anticipation was not crushed by the silence, and it was not squashed by the disappointing circumstances he found himself in. And I imagine that at his age, when the Christ child finally shows up, that anticipation was the thing that gave his life purpose. Right? That he began to look forward to something that God said he'd do. And this is something we all need to learn. That sometimes we pray and sometimes we want and sometimes we're impatient. And God says, just wait on me because I've got something really amazing. And the thing that we could all learn from Simeon is this. Don't anticipate too little. Don't let your season or your circumstance or whatever it is in your life that you're waiting for, don't let it squash your anticipation of what God wants for you. Because this Christmas, the question we ask ourselves is, the question you need to ask yourself, what am I, am I anticipating too little for God? Am I anticipating too little from what God could do, what God wants to do? And, and is, and I think this is the common case for most of us, when it comes to anticipation, the thing that gets most in our way when it comes to anticipation is expectation. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, we expect something to happen a certain way. For instance, ladies, let's say, like, let's say your special man, right, you think your special man in your life is going to get you a new car. And you have been thinking about this, like you see all the commercials and the bow on it, and you're like, I can't wait to get this new GMC truck, right? You know, that's because they said that's what you want. And so, they, so you're just, you can't wait. And tomorrow morning, you get up and you go downstairs, and there's this package down there, and you open it up, and it's a brand new shiny vacuum cleaner. How many of you are excited about that? A brand, it's brand new though. It is a shiny vacuum cleaner, right? <laughs> Disappointment, right? Expectation, reality. And you're like, oh no. This is, but see, this happens all the time in our life. And that's kind of an extreme example, but like maybe it's a relationship that you're waiting to improve. And you're like, it's got to improve and it's got to look like this and it's got to be like this. And when it doesn't come that way and it doesn't come on your time and it doesn't come the way you want it to, you're disappointed. You're like, I guess God's not showing up. I guess I'll just be guarded. I guess this stuff doesn't really happen. And you get in that cycle of disappointment over and over again till the final part of like even when God does show up and give you a gift you can't even see it because you spent your whole life being disappointed because you put your expectations and you painted the picture of exactly what you want and you've given no space for what God might want to do. Listen, we all have a plan for how God should show up. 
We all have a plan about when God should show up and what it should look like when God shows up. And we would love for him to join us. And listen, you're smart people. You're just not as smart as God. He is so smart. And he sees what you don't see. And he knows what you don't know. And I know that that plan that you have, and you think it needs to go down that way, and you can't see any other path. But God knows more. And God sees all of eternity. And God knows all the other pieces in your life. And he knows what's best for you. And if you let that expectation of your plans go, you can let your anticipation build that God has something for you. And when it shows up, you'll see it. It might not go the way you want or on the time that you want, but God's faithful. I know this. He's showed up in my life so many times. Times where I remember when I was a family praying for something, and I remember one of my kids saying, Dad, you keep saying that's going to change, but it never changes. And I said, and I won't give up praying that it will. And it finally it did. And it took years to get there. I have people in my life that I love, and I've prayed. It took me 20 years of praying for them, for them to meet the living Christ the way I know that. Surprise the socks off me. God is faithful. He is always at work behind the scenes. He knows the best time. And Simeon, Simeon helps us understand this and begin to live it out for ourselves. In verse 27, we kind of see Simeon in this moment, that describes this moment, that that day the Spirit led Simeon to the temple. Right? The, the Spirit actually said to Simeon, like, let's go to the temple. I know some of you are like, yeah, sometimes it happens to me, and I'm like, am I, am I hungry? What's happening, right? Like, I'm going to hear your voice. Like, how does that work? Like, listen, God, when God's spirit speaks, if you're open to it, trust me, you'll know. Because it probably will be something that will be contrary to what you think is best, right? It will be aligned with his spirit. You'll be like, oh, so Simeon gets led to the spirit. Mary and Joseph present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. And Simeon was there. Simeon is there in this moment, and he knows that this is the Christ child, and he takes the child into his arms, and he prays God. Now, can you imagine this, right? Mary and Joseph showing up. They don't know Simeon from Adam, and they show up, and he takes the Christ child from them, and he begins to pray this prayer. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. For I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Imagine his parents. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Imagine what this moment looked like. I found a pain of Simeon. I think maybe it looked a little bit like this, right? His face, his expression, as if to say, finally, finally, salvation has come. And I think about this moment, I think about Simeon, and I think, like, how many of us would have just missed this? How many of us, with a conversation with God, maybe have looked like, you know, the temple? Really, God? Do you know how long I've waited? Is it really possible? I mean, God, the temple, it's kind of out of my way. I wasn't really in the mood for that today. God, I really, I wanted something else. I, come on, God, I've got to get my Christmas shopping done. You're following along and kind of get that, right? Sorry, first Christmas. Um, so I've been back so many times. He's like, you know, the Messiah hasn't come. And I wonder, how many of us have been in that place of waiting? Maybe you're there that now. That place of waiting where you're just like, God, 
I want you to answer this prayer. I want you to speak to me. I want you to help me discern this. I want you to show up in my life. I need help. I need you to be in this. And because it wasn't like that, you gave up. Your search for God, and you just gave up because he didn't show up the way you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, and now you just, you just think God is like all the other pieces of your life that fail you, the politicians that fail you, all the other systems in our world that fail you. And you're like, can I really count on God? And what's amazing about Simeon's story is this. He shows us that though everything else might fail you, God does not and will not fail you. Simeon went to the temple, and I think he just went like this. I'll show up, and I'll watch. Sometimes we're impatient. We're going to remember, God's not in a hurry. I mean, we're in a hurry, but God's patient. He knows, and we should interpret his patience as being uncaring or being distant. And even when we feel like maybe our lives are out of control, God is still sovereign. God is still in control. He's not afraid. He's not lost control. God's always present. And Simeon's story reminds us of this by saying, don't anticipate too late. Don't give up too late. Don't forget God makes promises. Don't doubt his character. He loves you because, this is it, when you wait on God, he will deliver on his promises and he'll show up just on time. Now, I know that it's sort of annoying that God doesn't consult you and he doesn't consult me on when to show up. He doesn't consult us in our master's master calendar and say, well, listen, let me, take, let me move all the other plans around just for yours. He works on timetable that's better than we can even think or know. And maybe we need to learn a lesson from Simeon to just let off the gas pedal. To just take a deep breath and say, God, will you please show up in your time? Not on my timetable, not in the way I want, but God, I need you to show up and I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch and I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to keep myself ready, just like Simeon. You know what happened when the end of the story is? It says this at the end of the story. Simeon does all this and in Luke 2.33 it says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. <laughs> And you think about that for a second, it's kind of a big statement. They were amazed. I mean, they had angels appear to them, right? Both of them did. Shepherds came the night Jesus was born to tell them about the other announcements. And yet they hear what Simeon says about the light that is coming to the world for all people to change their lives, to bring them life, and they're like amazed. And maybe that's why when the gospel writer John who doesn't tell us a lick about how the birth actually happened, but rather tells us why it happened. He doesn't tell us what we're celebrating at Christmas. He tells us why we're celebrating Christmas. Maybe that's why when he wrote his story, he remembered Mary telling him the Simeon story. And Simeon was the first one to put into words the light of the world. And that's why maybe John remembered what Christ had said and what Simeon had said. And he writes it this way in John 1, 4 through 5. The word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. We, you think you just have life. No. Jesus gave you life. You think that your job gives you life. No. Jesus gives you life. You think that that next purchase is going to give you life. No. 
Jesus gives you life, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is John's one-line summary of the Christmas story. This is why it happened. In the darkness of our lives, in the difficult times, the light of Christ has come. And there is no amount of darkness, no amount of difficulty, no amount of waiting, no amount of I don't know if God's going to show up that can extinguish the light of your life, which is Jesus, if you'll wait and if you'll anticipate and you'll hear him. And so this is Simeon's words to us. Don't give up. Darkness, suffering, sin will never have the last words. Simeon waited. He anticipated the coming of God incarnate for him, for you, for me. You're not left alone. You're not forgotten. This Christmas Eve, what are you waiting for? Is it that broken relationship? You're like, man, if that would just get better, if that would just get better, then I would have life. I would have hope. Is it that like next purchase? I just had that thing then, man, I would really be content. Is it that next trip that you're going and just live in between vacations and you just can't wait to get to that next place because then you'll really be happy again? Is it that next illness that needs cured or that next bill to get paid or that next promotion to come and you're waiting for that something that will come and what Simeon would encourage you, what Simeon would say to you tonight is stop waiting for something and instead... Wait for someone, and that someone is Jesus. This Christmas, have you been waiting for something to make your life better, content, happy, give you joy? Are you prepared to wait for someone? Someone who will change your trajectory of your life forever. Someone who will never disappoint you. Are you focused on fixing your circumstance, relieving your pain, and keeping yourself busy? Are you ready for God to show up? You know, when I was, remember when you were a kid and you anticipated Christmas? Remember how long it seemed? Do you remember, like, waiting? I remember when I was a kid, waiting for Christmas. I remember this one year when I just, I waited, and I was waiting for Christmas, and it seemed like it was so far away, and I kept telling everybody what I wanted for Christmas, and I just waited and waited, and it never seemed like it there, because all I wanted for Christmas was a Red Rider BB gun. But my mom said, you'll suit your rights. That's a different move. But you know the feeling, right? Anticipation. This is what God has invited us to. I mean, the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of Christmas Eve is that we anticipate that something good is coming or rather that someone good is coming. This Christmas, just like the first Christmas, maybe what we all should be waiting for. Maybe what we all should put our hope in is that Christ himself will show up. Maybe all of us should just stop thinking about it has to be my way, it has to be in my time. Don't give up hope. Don't give up too early. His light will shine in your life. And this is the story of Christmas. This is the story of Jesus. This is where there is joy. So, may I ask you this Christmas? Let's make this personal. What have you been waiting for? What is it that you put your hope in and it's disappointed you? 
And you're just like on the edge of your seat, like this has just got to change. And you've been waiting for it to change. And this Christmas Eve, you hear the story of Simeon and you go, I want to wait on that Jesus that will change my life. I need to stop putting my hope in things that will disappoint. And instead, I'm just going to make my prayer, Jesus, will you show up? Because Jesus is the constant reminder in our life. The story of Christmas is the constant reminder in life that you are not forgotten. He has not left you behind. He is going to show up. When he does, it'll change everything. Will you bow your heads with me? In the spirit of prayer, just before we pray, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I wonder how many of you tonight would say, I've been disappointed. And I put that disappointment on God. And you would say, you never even said to God, you never expressed to God, I need you. Maybe you feel like you gave up a little early. Maybe you even felt like you didn't know if God would really show up if you asked. And in some circumstance, some situation, or maybe it's your, even your life, and you said, you know what? I've never really said, God, I'll wait for you. Will you show up? So I offer you a prayer tonight to pray right where you sit. You can just follow that along and pray it right in your heart tonight. Here it is. God, too often, I have anticipated too little from you. God, I've been impatient. I've not waited. God, I thought I had to have it my way. But all my ways keep being disappointing. Jesus, I now realize that you came to remind me that I will never be forgotten. And so I ask that you will shine your light into my life. I ask, will you forgive my past? And will you be the savior that I need? Make yourself real to me. And this is the prayer I offer for all of us tonight. God, could you do something special tonight? Even right here in this moment, could you reignite a sense of joy and anticipation in every single person? God, we're not sure exactly how you want to do it. So we're going to release our expectations of the next few moments, of the next evening of Christmas Eve, and we're just going to say, God of the universe, will you surprise us? This Christmas Eve, as we lay down our heads, will you remind us and fill us of hope? Because you always show up right on time.